welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. The Bible reading this morning is from Matthew 6, verses 24 to 34. So if you have your Bibles, please read along with me, otherwise it will be on the screen. From verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Now before Jonathan jumps up, sorry Jonathan, (laughs) I realised I did forget um, one notice um, and that is, it's really exciting, we are going to be having a wedding here next Saturday. Um, So for those of you who don't know, Paul and Kendall are getting married next weekend. Yep, there they are up on the screen. So we just wanted to... Uh, just encourage you both um, and just let you know we are thinking and praying for you in the lead up to Saturday. Jonathan, over to you. Thanks, Sarah. Well, I'm delighted to be preaching again here in my home. Seems uh, a short while, but a long while that I've been away. It's a funny feeling. You have that too when you go on holidays, don't you? Are you with me? Yeah, okay. I want some response today. I'm losing my voice, uh, so uh, you you need to come with me in this. Uh, I've missed you. I have. I've missed our church. I've missed our community, and it is good to be back. I want to... uh, I've got a few senior pastor things to say, and then I'm going to preach, and I'm going to to go for it preaching, so hang on to your hats, okay? So um, I want to thank those who carried the load while I was away. Um, It was a big load. And so I want to especially uh, thank Rod Dyson uh, for what he did and how he did it. Rod is a great blessing to our church. 
Only Rod could have done what he did in the time uh, that was available. And so we give him thanks uh, and praise for his wisdom uh, and the way in which he acted on behalf of our church. He was at the first service, but if you see him over the next couple of weeks, could you please thank him uh, for the blessing that he has been for our church? Also, if you read my weekly email, you know that I also want to thank uh, Bob Buxton and uh, Margaret Davison, who had to deal with some very sensitive things in my absence. Uh, things that I just want to uh, make clear that I'm only just coming up to speed on. Those two acted with grace and kindness and are both exactly the right people doing the right job at this moment for the life of our church. Uh, so our church owes them a debt of gratitude. I'm going to talk briefly about some of the things that uh, I'm alluding to uh, on Tuesday night at our AGM, and I encourage you uh, to be there. That's Tuesday night the 6th. Um, we'll share our ordered financials uh, at that time, but also there are some other things that are best said in, in a family gathering. And so I encourage you, if you want to hear that, uh, then it will be clear uh, at that particular point. It won't be a long meeting, uh, but um, we just need to gather. Uh, thanks to all the preachers who shared and taught while I was away. I'm, I'm glad you had the chance to experience a wide variety of preachers from a, a broad uh, stream of thought uh, and different styles. That's, that's really helpful. Obviously now, uh, in the life of our church, we are missing uh, a full-time pastor. Uh, and in the short to medium term, I, I can assure you, we will be unable to replace uh, that person uh, because of the scarcity uh, of finding uh, qualified pastors. As you can imagine, uh, this uh, has some implications on my already full workload. And it, it, basically, it um, increases exponentially my workload. And to be honest with you, I don't quite know how I'll manage that, uh, apart from uh, I'm going to pray pretty hard about this, and I invite you to be part of that too. Uh, please can you be mindful of this in the months ahead. Um, I know that the elders and the paid staff would appreciate your prayers as together we discern the voice of God going forward and what it looks like as we uh, be a church in uh, this next season. So one, one thing right off the bat, and I've got a few things I, I want to comment on uh, over the next few weeks because uh, you, you're actually stuck with me preaching for a while now, so sorry about that. You've got me good. Um, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to gently remind some people of this uh, as we go forward. But I, I know there are, there are some people who, who uh, love to touch base with me every week, particularly after a service. And I am humbled. I've got to say, look, I am humbled to be loved and respected in this place. It is an extraordinary church to be part of. Uh, but if you want to help me, you need to let me be. I, I cannot talk to the same people every week, and I cannot communicate with you all the time. Uh, it, we have a church that is many thousands, and it is my desire to be pastor for the whole church. Uh, if my time is taken by the same people every week, I cannot do my job, and I tell you, I become frustrated, and our church will suffer. We all need community, I, I know that, but I cannot provide that community for you alone. Only a small group can do that. Uh, we have to do it each other and not just rely on one person. So I encourage you to be broad. And, and I had this really unusual thought. And that's what holidays do, you get a thought. Okay, so here's my thought. How about we all talk to somebody we don't know? I know, it's really, it's a complicated thought, isn't it? That might help a lot of us. 
I was blessed to have uh, been granted the privilege of some long service leave combined with annual leave. And it's a privilege that we enjoy and it's a privilege I don't take for granted. So to save some time for me, please just indulge me here just for a moment. To save some time for me, let me just say this. Yes, I had a great time. Yes, I am delighted to be back. Thank you. Yes, I have grown a beard. <laughs> I used some pre-COVID uh, travel booking that I had. I uh, went to Queensland, Victoria, Tasmania, and even spent a few hours in New South Wales, which was probably enough. <clears throat> I was able to visit my eldest daughter in Alice Springs in the Northern Territory, uh, ticked off a bucket list by seeing Uluru. What a place that is, isn't it? Uh, if you've not seen it and you want to go and see it, just think carefully about walking all around it. Okay, I'll just put it out there like that. I saw Kings Canyon, Stanley Chasm and Ormiston Gorge. I spent a lot of time on my little farm at home and I've discovered something about farming. You know, farming, uh, farming really is one thing, in my experience. It's about digging holes. Okay, so I've just I've dug a lot of holes, um, put up some fences, farmed some sheep, did some building and general home life things. It was nice just to be home and slow life down. Highly recommended by your senior pastor. Okay, slow life down. It's great to have some extended family time without the pressing need to be somewhere to write something or to deal with somebody else's crisis. I feel strongly uh, that uh, I am now in the second half of my time as Senior Pastor of Seeds. And so coming up in March, it will be eight years. And that's just aged some of you eight years, didn't it? I know. So God willing, we have another eight to go. History would tell us that churches are at their best with stable long-term leadership. Uh, and my goal is to provide that for this church as we grow into a cluster of churches as well. Now, I have the strong impression as I come back of three things God is particularly calling me and us to do in this next season of time. Now, these are in no particular order, so I'll just put them out there for you. And I shared these with the elders uh, on Monday night. Firstly, in no order, but it's still firstly, I don't know, anyway. Something's got to start somewhere to plant more churches. Okay, so I, I believe God wants us to plant more churches, and there's a lot of learning for us in that, but we'll, we'll figure that out as we go on. Secondly, make disciples. I'll clarify that. Not attendees, not seat warmers, not Jonathan followers, but disciples of Jesus. Do you remember my definition of disciple? It is someone who hears the voice of God and obeys. So simple and as complex as that. Hear and obey the voice of God. The, the voice of God. And thirdly, um, and maybe this is the most important uh, for my next season here at Seeds, begin the process of equipping a new generation for a transition of leadership. That's a really big task, uh, but something that I, I want to talk to you. I've got some plans and something I want to talk to you about uh, as we go forward. I was very excited to listen the other day to the interview um, a few weeks back with Taylor and Dan Greer uh, regarding SKP. I mean, how integrated is it now? We've got acronyms for our church plant. It's, it's uh, so good. It's a very significant thing that we are doing. Let me just, I just need to re reiterate that. 
It is a very significant thing that we are doing. In the broader landscape of the church, if, if you've been here at Seeds for a while, you do not understand the broader landscape of the church. This is, this is unique what we have and planting a, cho- planting a church is an anomaly in the Western world. It is wonderful and God-honouring what we are doing. Now it is clear that God is calling some from out from amongst us to be sent as missionaries to another suburb. Honestly, we should be all super excited as to what God is doing. What we are doing, I swear, the language we frame around this is really careful. We are sending, we are not losing. If you hear me say losing, step on my toes, okay? Because we are sending people in response to God's command for us. We are one church, I want to be really clear on this, we are one church in two locations. One church, two locations. And I believe there are still more who are here or who are listening to this online who also need to respond to the call of God to go as a missionary in that particular mission field that God is opening up for us. So I challenge you, are you hearing but not obeying? Of course, there are those who have not sensed a call to join our church plant, SKP. See, God does not only speak to those who are going, but he is also speaking to those of us who are remaining here at Seeds Aberfoyle. And there are going to be many gaps, and they are starting to already open gaps amongst us. So as much as God is calling people out of Aberfoyle and into Carrada Park, God is also calling people to serve here. There is some that are listening to me at this moment, a very strong impression of this. There are some that listen to me at this particular moment, and that's online as well, that God is calling you to serve here. And I'm talking to you. God is calling you to a new level of leadership, of service and commitment. Don't shrink away from their call. Don't back away from it. For if you do do that, you will find yourself in the most unhappy place. Just read Jonah if you don't know what I'm talking about. Step into the obedience and find your meaning and you will find it. I also want to promote the road to Christmas. This is one of the most significant things that we do as a church to show the good news of Jesus to this community. It's one of the most significant things we do as a church to show the good news of Jesus to our community. I encourage you to get on board and there is sign-up available today. You cannot miss the red shirts running around the place. I know it's a busy time, but let me say this. If we are too busy as followers of Jesus to share the good news of Jesus at this time of the year, then we are too busy. Christmas was always coming. It happened last year. I don't know if you noticed it or not. It is not a surprise. Okay, get your life in order and program time to have the road to Christmas so you can serve. Do you know, in 2014, I know it's a long time ago, I submitted and passed a doctoral thesis entitled Personal and Corporate Evangelism. In other words, I wrote about how we share our faith one-on-one and as a whole church. Having a doctorate in this 
what we do, Road to Christmas, probably makes me an expert. Okay? So I speak with some authority when I say, this is one of the most significant, important things we do as a church in the year. Sign up and be involved. See how God uses you to bless others. Don't be passive. Don't be a passenger. Sign up and get a front row seat to the wonder of God's work in our world. There is room for all of us. Listen and obey. I challenge you. I challenge you online as well to be obedient and to step in to what God wants you to do. Let me pray and I'm going to preach if you thought I was preaching. Lord, we praise you for your word to us. Praise you for for your life-giving word, Jesus. Open our hearts that we might receive it and it goes deep and it changes our thoughts, which indeed changes our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. I've only got a little bit of voice left. Um, I managed to catch influenza for the last couple of weeks of my holidays, so I'm still coming to terms with being a husky voice, but maybe that's good, is it? See how we go. I get the privilege to finish up the You Have Heard It Said series, and I'm going to expend all my voice doing this, let me tell you. The reading is, of course, the last bit from Matthew 6, and it is emblazoned with the title, Do Not Worry, written all over it. That phrase in this day and age is like saying, stop time, hold back the tide, or what probably would be more worrying, the world has run out of coffee. When we think of worry, it's probably more like saying, hello, old friend. We all know worry well, don't we? Should I ask? Put your hand up if you've never worried. Okay, that's pretty well it. It is our constant companion, isn't it, worry? It is our sidekick. It lives with us in our back pocket all our life. How many times have you shared a burden with a friend and you've unloaded your heart, your worries, and they've said, ah, don't worry about it. That hasn't helped at all, has it? <coughs> Not one little bit. My voice is going already. Not one little bit. It's never helped me ever. But Jesus here, see, these are Jesus' words. These are not my words. And you've got a problem with me. You've got a problem with Jesus if, you, if you're reacting against this. Jesus' words here, they're not self-help, pull yourself up by your bootstrap words. He's got good reason to say this. And the good reason is that it comes against our culture in particular ways. And I want to lead you into that. So if you've got your Bibles, open up Matthew chapter 6, verses 24. I encourage you on Sundays, bring your Bible to worship. You turn up, small groups, bring your Bible. You want to be people that hear, hear the Word of God, familiar with the Word of God and obey it. That will put you in your best place that you can ever be. So our verse today is of Matthew 6, 24 to 34. Verse 25 starts off with that word, therefore. And I've said this a dozen times, and I'll say it again. When we see the word therefore in the scriptures, we've got to figure out why they are there for, which is verse 24. No one can serve two masters, says Jesus. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word there, masters, <coughs> no one can serve two masters. The word there, masters, in the Greek, literally means, can be, can be literally translated as slave owners. Two 
entities that possess you 100%. Not as we often think, two rival forces that are competing in the same space for you. No, 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 no. That, that's inaccurate and leads us to a misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying here. It is two things, separate things, that say they claim you totally. They cannot coexist in the same area because there is no room for them to live together. Okay, you get the meaning? Okay, two things. You cannot serve two slave owners, two things that own you 100%. Thank you, Mr. Carpenter. So good. Okay, so Jesus is saying there is a competition for you and your being. You can have one, but not the other. You can have one slave owner only, one boss, one total in control, but not both. Now think, even before Jesus gets to this main point, he is telling us, he is very clear, if we, if we were to think about this for a little while, he's telling us what is the root cause of our problem. And you're ready to hear it? Here it is. It's us having to choose who is our total owner is. Who owns us totally? And here's the deal that's going to be developed in the next few statements. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Anytime we choose other than Jesus, we are placing our feet on unstable ground. Okay, anytime we choose other than Jesus, we are placing our feet on unstable ground. Do we choose Jesus or the alternative? Money, whatever else it is, we can put a whole pile of things in that example. In 2018, I think I've told this story before, but in 2018, because of a story I wrote in a magazine, I, I won a trip to the mountains of New Zealand. It's very fortunate to have a very good theological education which allows me to write and uh, use it for my own purpose. That's all right, isn't it? I, I love the mountains. And of course, um, this is the Sermon on the Mount we're talking about. Uh, it was a great trip. One of the things I can vividly remember is walking through knee-deep snow. Now, snow is fine, although knee-deep snow is not a lot of fun. To you know, It takes a lot of energy. To, you, those of you who don't would know what I'm talking about. The snow, I, I could come to terms with. But hearing running water underneath me and then the cracking of the ice as I placed my feet down was incredibly unnerving. Obviously... I uh, didn't take much to figure out. Under the snow was a river and parts of that river was iced over. Now, not being the smallest being, I had some worry. Now, you'd be glad to know I didn't die. Okay, And I made it home to tell the tale. But for a few steps there, my feet were on unstable ground. Without a firm foundation, we are always in, on unstable ground. And the opposite, let me put it in the positive, the opposite is so true. Placing our lives on the foundation of Jesus is the antidote to worry. You just need to let that work its way through your head. Placing our lives on the foundation of Jesus is the antidote to worry. Let me rephrase that in case you were thinking about walking over frozen rivers. If you have chosen Jesus, then you are on stable ground and it is the cure for our worry. Why? 
let's have a look at the rest of the verses because it becomes self-explanatory. Jesus gives us examples of the created order, which of course develops the point he is making here. Now just now stick with me as we go through this. It's, it's, it's actually not super complicated, is it? You've, you've heard this before. Notice he's at pains to point out about the birds and the grass. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap or store away in barns, yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Question mark. Verse 28, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Verse 29, yet I tell you that even not Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. Why do you think he points out these things? This answer is pretty obvious because everyone listening to him had a shared understanding that God was in charge of the created order. All his listeners took for granted that God was in charge and God looked after the birds and the world that was all around them. It was obvious for all the listeners that the birds, they didn't serve two owners. They only had one and that owner took care of their basic needs. The birds found enough food to eat. The flowers had enough rain, enough nourishment to survive, even, even for their brief time, which Jesus indicates. So Jesus is stating a point of fact that they all knew. Now, now we, course, we are far removed from the created order and increasingly removed so compared to back then. But we can still understand this, can't we? I mean, those noisy minor birds, who's got them in their backyard? Everybody has, okay? What about those pesky magpies that swoop on us all the time? They all get their food and they get it okay. Who gives it to them? God, of course. (coughs) And the point is that if God takes care of the maggies, how much more of value are you? The underlying question is, though, where do we place our trust? The birds don't have a choice, but we do, don't we? Is the choice in us? We trust ourselves or do we trust in what Jesus says about us? I don't mean lip service trusting in Jesus, but a deep abiding, I will follow in your footsteps trust. And I have a deep sense for us as a church that, that while we know where we've been, We don't quite know where we're going and we need to take a step of faith believing that Jesus is leading us going forward. Now, I think we need to be really careful here not to take this too far for obviously the birds work really hard in securing enough food for their daily requirements. This is is not about work. Anybody who has observed birds know this to be true. They work very hard, daylight to dark. This passage, though, Just remind ourselves, this passage is not about work, it's about worry. And Jesus points out the uselessness of worrying by dropping verse 27 as a truth bomb on us, on Western culture. Verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? We all know the answer to that, don't we? The message translation, which I quite like, the, the rendering of, of the Sermon on the Mount and the message translation uh, renders it like this. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? 
I can't say I've ever looked in the mirror and wanted to be taller, but I get the, the influence of what's going on here. Do you see where Jesus is going? He's asking about your foundations and he's, he's, he's saying, look around and see the, creative, the, the reality of the created order who do not worry and are completely fine. Can't the same be true for us? And the inference of the answer is absolutely. Verse 32 then, the truth bombs keep rolling out of Jesus' truth bomb dispenser, whatever that is, okay. Verse 32, so do not worry, verse 31, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that your eyes can be so focused on getting that we're forgetting what God is already giving. When we chase, we don't trust. When we worry, we move. Effectively, we move the foundation of our life from um, God to ourselves and moving our foundation from God to ourselves or, or something else <coughs> always leads to worry. We take our foundation away from us equals um, good. We put our foundation on ourselves equals bad. And Jesus is saying, guys, people, people that are listening to me, you know better than this because you know who I am. Those of us who've, who've been around and sensed and, and known and connected with the goodness of God, we, we should not be surprised at this, at, at God's unusual rhythms of grace because we know the one, capital Oh, who holds the world in his hands and we know that we can trust him. At least we know that logically that we can trust him. He has been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. It's just that we choose not to trust and we do it over and over again. So this is the issue that we are facing. Our worry means that we continue to take the responsibility of the things that are out of our control and we take them on ourselves. Simple things like flowers don't do this, but we do. We mix and match our foundation. We swap it from God to us all the time and we wonder why we live in worry land. We worry because we don't have the strength. We worry because we don't have the capacity, the fortitude to cope with all the things that life throws at us. Now, I know that some people are more predisposed to worry than others, but we all worry and we don't help ourselves. I do this all the time. I pick up the responsibility for things that are never mine in the first place. And I wake early in the mornings with things that I'm wrestling with that are not my concern. Why? Because I don't ever hope of resolving these things. Only God can. And the last time I checked, I wasn't God. Now, I've worked out two things, and I hope these are practical things for us, two things to help me deal with worry, and I tell this to anybody who will listen, so forgive me if I've talked to you about this before. Hopefully, this is practical enough. You're taking notes. Take this down. If you have, so this is what works for me, 
uh, I just feel like I need to give a disclaimer here. I'm still working this out, but like, I'm happy to have a conversation with you about this afterwards. Okay, you're probably talking, I won't be doing much talking. If you have an issue in mind and you're worrying about, I believe you have two options. All right, I've narrowed it down to two options. See how you go with this. First option, do something about it. That's pretty complicated, isn't it? Okay, you're worrying about something, do something about it. Second option, you can't do anything about it Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's where I've come to. Now, some of you are smarter than me, and you probably figure out a little bit broader than that. Do something about it. You know, you wait three o'clock in the morning, click, 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 you know, get up and do something about it, or you can't do anything about it because it's out of your control. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And stop chewing on the bone. I reckon you can work on that as well. It's taken me a bit to do that, and I, but I found it to be very useful. And sometimes I am tempted, and sometimes I forget, and I pick up the old worry bone, and I gnaw on that for quite a while. And then I realise what I'm doing, and so I take it back to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, this is yours, not mine. I can't deal with it. Verse 33 is the bottom line for Jesus. And it tells us his antidote for worry. This is it. This is, this is the reason you came to worship at this particular moment. Verse 33. And it's a verse, and I'll say this categorically, that is a verse that we should all memorize. Verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You've got to memorize that. Okay, you've got to know that verse inside out. I don't care. Right, write it on the toilet paper. I don't know. Put it, put it on the on your lipstick mirror. Uh, I, I don't know. Put it on your steering wheel of your car. Put it in your screensaver on your phone. Whatever it is, learn that verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Is a life verse for the church. Notice the first word there in the NIV. The first word there is but. So but means in contrast, and it was just, Jesus was just talking about the pagans, is those who don't understand the economy of God and the ways of God in the world and who are, who are left in worry land, but in contrast to those people who don't know Jesus, uh, but seek, that is look for, discover, the kingdom and the righteousness. That is God's ways, God's movement in the world, God's tempo. Okay? Does that, that pat it out? You help you understand that? If I want to give you my version of this verse, Matthew 6, 33, it will be something like this. I stuffed this up really bad in the first service. Let me see if I can get it right in the second service. Here it is. Focus on who God is and your place in God's world. Find your rhythm in that and then you will be completely overwhelmed with the meaning and purpose and your life will fall into line. Let me say that again. Focus on who God is and your place in God's world. Find your rhythm in that and that you will be completely overwhelmed with meaning and purpose and your life will fall into line. You see, the wisdom in this is that we take our eyes off us and onto God and we put them on what God has planned for us, plans that are perfect 
and true, far better than we've ever imagined, then we will know we are the centre of God's will and our worry begins to be dissipated. Why? Because we stand on good foundation, reliable, trustworthy and true. You know, the bottom line is this. God has our best interests at heart. Trust him. Hand over your worries to him. Because for all of us, there are parts of our lives that we need to hand over and surrender to God. And so, like, don't be passive in your life. Don't let it fly by, go past you. This is your moment in this song to hand over those things that cause worry to you. Surrender them to God. Let go of the bone and let Jesus carry you through this. Lord, we ask your blessing upon us as we be your people. Thank you for your promises. You you never leave us nor forsake us. Your words are true and faithful. Help us to hand over our worries to you and to see that you are the one who carries us through all things, thick and thin. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.